Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Hammer's over there. So the January 6th committee officially sent Trump a subpoena to testify, and I'm assuming it was, it was like the movie Major League when Dorn showed the coach his contract that said he didn't have to do sit-ups. What he did, he, like, he took it right out of the guy's hands, dropped it on the carpet at Mar-a-Lago, and took a big steamy leak all over it. Right. <laughs> Look, I'm taking a leak all over your subpoena. At just, the very minimum, a leak. Just, <laughs> just like the Russian hookers. <laughs> I, I, nobody knows. I mean, because of executive privilege, I don't think he's going to really, I, I don't think he's compelled to testify. This is nothing more. Look, we're uh, what just days before the, the midterm elections, they've got to put Trump front and center with everything they do because they don't have anything else they can't certainly run on the economy they can't talk about inflation all they have is roe v wade and the evil orange man now it's interesting though that the face of the democratic party barack obama said it's basically a bad losing strategy just to focus on donald trump he did we played the audio that podcast that he did. Why would any of these guys want to hear from a guy that won presidency (laughs) twice? Why would anybody want to hear from the first black president? They're going against Barack Obama. Let that sink in for just a little bit about how over the top and how radical some of these folks are. Nobody cares if Donald Trump is going to respond by November 4th or not, because that's the deadline right now. Nobody cares if he's going to respond or testify or do anything like that. You know what people care about? How much is gas? How much are groceries? Am I going to be safe if I go out at night and go out to dinner with my wife and kids? Those are the conversations that people want to have, not whether or not the big bad orange man is going to send a letter or something back to the January 6th committee. Which is a sham, a show trial. It's made up only of members of Congress that are anti-Trump or never Trump, however you want to put it. They were handpicked by Pelosi and they think all Trump supporters are domestic threats. That's right. MAGA. Every Semi-fascist. Semi-fascist. <laughs> and, um, and, and by the way, their ability to issue subpoenas is also being challenged in federal court for the very reason I mentioned. It's because they were all handpicked by Pelosi and there's no pushback. There's no cross-examination. This is all to make sure Trump doesn't become president again. So Steve Bannon, the former chief of staff for Donald Trump, uh, used to be the guy that ran Breitbart for a little bit. Uh, he was sentenced to four months behind bars. Oh, boy. Four Whoop-de-doo, they got somebody. Months. So has all this time, has all this energy been worth it? Yeah. All the money that's been spent, the prime time coverage, the you m- got a couple ancillary players that got a slap on the wrist. Bannon's going to serve four months, he won't maybe. Serve, yeah, maybe. Maybe. And you put a subpoena out to Donald Trump. <laughs> Is that worth all the time and effort? Yeah, the Mueller probe. You got a, you got George Papadopoulos serving six days in prison <laughs> for, for a procedural crime. 
you know, Rick Gates serving 45 days. Guys, nobody knows who any of these losers are, but they're all associated with Trump and they're all going to be wheeled out there one by one. Look at all these guys next to Trump. Steve Bannon is the very latest. For what? He didn't respond to their sham illegal subpoena. And this is the uncomfortable truth about how things work in Washington. Hillary Clinton will never serve time. Donald Trump will never serve time. Hunter Biden will never serve time. As much as you might disdain and hate the person on the other side of you, money talks and BS walks and the people that sometimes you want to see serve time are never going to step one foot inside of a correctional facility. Now, somebody who will is the guy that shot those judges here in Indianapolis. We found out today that that guy, Brandon Kayser, is going to serve six years on probation after his release and eight years in prison for that fight and ultimately shots fired yeah. at the people outside the White Castle there was, fight. There was the three judges that were in town for a convention, and they were out drinking late one night. They were at the Garter, tried to get into the uh, White Castle. It was two dudes and a chick. And uh, before you know it, uh, people are jabbering back and forth, trash talking, and a brawl breaks out. I just—they just released the entire video not too long ago. I watched it's it. It's eight or nine minutes long. It's a long brawl. It is. And those guys, those judges, were kicking kicking the crap out of those dudes. Right. The judges were winning, and then finally, that I guess this Kaiser guy pulled out a gun and shot them both. And I, I don't know. That had to have been a pretty. Pretty dark day in the lives of those two judges. You know, you're outside White Castle, drunk, talking trash. I'm not saying they deserved it, but your life is flashing before your eyes at that point. All the work you did, everything you did to get you to this point where you're in the big city for a big convention, you sit on the bench, you're an esteemed judge, and you get shot in the stomach by this guy that you're brawling with. But you know what? You can't put yourself in that position. You can't. Because you these can't. two judges were with a female judge, and they went out bar hopping. Then they thought they would be cool and take the chick to the garter. And the chick judge sounds like she's the mouthy one out of this bunch. Yeah. She was the one giving people the bird. She, she wanted everybody to know, I'm the fun judge. I'm going to go to the strip club with the guys. These guys probably wanted to do other stuff with the judge. I have no idea. But because you're out late, you're doing nonsense, you're letting a mouthy judge flip people off. Now, this isn't your hometown. This is downtown Indianapolis. I'm not quite sure if you've seen the headlines about what happens around here, but you flip off random strangers down here. It's probably not a wise decision. Now, we've got this situation. One of these days, I'm going to write a musical about this event. (laughs) The two judges that may or may not be trying to take this chick somewhere for some liaisons. They're going to the Garter. They're going to White Castle. (laughs) Mouthy chick starts flipping people off. She's been in trouble after that, too. I think she stepped down from her her judgeship or whatever you call it. I don't think she's uh, she's had some issues, to put it mildly. Um been getting a lot of response to the conversation we had yesterday, conversations that we had with Jeff Blackwell, who's the father of Samaria Blackwell, who lost her life in the FedEx shooting, and FOP President Rick Snyder. Both of them joined us in studio yesterday. And I want to play back a couple of the moments that stood out to me, Nige, right. as the most important in our conversation. Things that I didn't know. For example, the prosecutor, Ryan Mears, we know he screwed up the red flag law. Because of his incompetence, people lost their lives. 
We knew that going in, though. What I didn't know was how callous and the lack of compassion that this guy showed to the family members, like not reaching out to them. Take a listen to this. We were aware that there was a major malfunction, that something is wrong. Let me kind of explain my side of the story. I had the president acknowledge it and come to us. We had the governor. Let's just go. We've had the state, everybody on through, but one person hasn't basically acknowledged this. Now, why I say that is after the investigation period was done of the initial thing that happened, we were called together, all the victims' families, to a substation on the west side, at which point in time, every law enforcement agency under the sun, including the local deputy, if you will, was there. And they presented all this. The U.S. District Attorney, the FBI, the the World Police Organization. It was crazy how many people were there. As the things were presented, there's something that became very evident because everything kept circling back to this question of, why was nothing ever done about this first encounter with the police and the red flag law? Guess who was not in attendance there? I don't even have to say his name. So this really set us off. At which point in time, Chief Taylor texted him, everything else. He was supposed to have a sit down with all the families at once. The prosecutor, the that current is prosecutor. Correct. That has never happened. Mm-hmm. Now, we pursued this for months and there was an exchange of emails everything else the initial email came through condolences blah 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 we're going to meet with you uh, is like great but the way the email was written i questioned wait a second so we ask are you meeting with us are you meeting with all the families or how is this happening well it was only meeting with our family because i don't know how everyone else was pursuing it and it was with his staff do you feel like the prosecutor brushed you off? I don't think there's much of an open door policy there. This story that was national news, this FedEx shooting, everybody, it seemed like from the state of Indiana and even national levels, had reached out to family members, offered condolences, went out of their way to show some level of support of some kind, except for the guy that's currently the prosecutor in Marion County. Do I have this accurate? You have that accurate, and it's even more important. The one guy that didn't reach out was the only guy in all those other people that had any chance in any way to affect the outcome that that would have never happened. Think about that for a moment. Jeez, that's unfathomable. What a scumbag. What an absolute scumbag to try to give these families the run around, put your little staffers and your lackeys on it, and to not reach out personally. That is so gross and disgusting. I can't stand the thought of that. Um, Also, with Rick Snyder, the president of the Fraternal Order of Police, joining us in studio yesterday, he wanted to focus more on the fact that, yes, this situation happened because... Ryan Mears, who's on the ballot coming up in a few weeks for Marion County Prosecutor, is very bad at his job and dropped the ball. He's not representing the interests of the residents and business owners in this city. As we've clearly seen, he's not representing the interests of the families of our victims. He damn sure isn't representing the interests of our officers. And there's no way in hell he's representing the interests of the state of Indiana. 
So who is Ryan Mears? Whose interests and agendas is he representing? That's my question. And and the only way you're going to get an answer to that is go ask Ryan Mears. But you know he'll never answer the questions. So here today on this show, I'm making this, this public uh, statement and challenge, if you will. Ryan Mears, come here to Hammer and Nigel. Sit live on air before this election so that voters can make good informed decisions and answer some of these questions. Sit with me and allow me to answer questions. You ask questions of me and I'll answer them and we'll get the facts out here on the table and let voters make a good informed decision about who's going to be the chief law enforcement officer for this county. And again, we've made this perfectly clear on this program. There's an open invitation. If Ryan Mears wants to come on this show, if Joe Hogs wants to come on this show we have microphones we have chairs we'll make as much time as you need you're listening to the hammer and nigel show on 93 wibc oh and look who's joined us in the studio wibc traffic reporter matt bear hello hey buddy hey fellas how you doing just gonna hit you guys with a question right off the bat best public place to use the toilet here in central Indianapolis. Best public grounds for a little sit down. Got to go number one. Number two, where is the best place to do so? Oh, man, I like the library. <laughs> the like, library, yeah. yeah. Library is cool. I thought you were going to say, oh, man, I like the alley. Actually, I was, when Hotel you were first lobbies. asking that question, I was totally thinking the alley, but then you said number two, and then I was like, no. no, no. I go hotel lobbies. Any like, of the you hotel know, lobbies, sure. Yeah, if you walk in, you know, just, you know, make it look like you're going to your room at the Conrad and just go into that can. <laughs> now, there's a reason why I started off with that question, Hammer. San Francisco is building one public toilet. One toilet. Just one? Just one toilet for $1.7 million. Is it gold-plated? Does somebody wipe you when you <laughs> when you go on this thing? Thank you, sir. I don't know if it includes a bidet. I don't know if it includes some sort of uh, some you know, rub down afterwards. Matt Bear, I, if someone paid you $1.7 million, would you wipe somebody's rear end as your job? <laughs> I'll, I'll do it for 10 bucks. <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, the toilet <laughs> will occupy a, a 150 square foot space, and it's going to take three years to complete. Again, this is in San Francisco where people, where, where there's a problem with bums going number two right out in the middle of the street, in the, the parking lots, in the sidewalks. So I guess I'm not following the story properly here. And again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm Bob the Builder, but putting one toilet, not even like a stretch of portalettes, one singular yeah. toilet is $1.7 million? Because they want to make sure it gets finished and in the event they're hit with unexpected costs is what the article says. Well, how does this curtail people <laughs> going to the bathroom in the middle of the street if you just have one toilet, yeah. unless you're all just going to go at the same time? Right. I mean, In my mind, there are two bums in the middle of the street in San Francisco. Hey, is that the million-dollar toilet over there? <laughs> yeah. Well, pull my pants up and walk off. This is just going to cause a fight. Right. Everybody's going to be fighting over this toilet. I mean, at one point, San Francisco, the city actually had an app where you could report seeing a human... Uh, defecation and I, I don't know how it worked exactly but I, I guess if you saw somebody doing something they shouldn't have been doing in an alley on your parked car on the sidewalk or in front of you your could, business yeah, in front of your business yeah. you, you get out this app and report it 
And you could also fake it, too. I mean, it'd be the new way of swatting somebody, you know? <laughs> I don't like it's, this it's person. So, it's, I'm it. so glad California, the people there must be so uh, relieved that they got rid of all the plastic straws. But uh, <laughs> how can you maybe concentrate on the uh, the bum pooping outside the cafe on the corner? Matt Baer, when was the last time you took an outdoor number two? Oh, man, I would have to say. Actually, I remember. What um, day is it? it was, uh, I was in the second grade. It was a Cub Scout It was about 1.30 this afternoon. Yeah, it was about 1.30 this afternoon. <laughs> By the why? Um, no, this was uh, this was when I was in second grade. I, I, I went outside. We were on a Cub Scout trail, and I was like too long, and I was a kid, and, and I went in my pants, and I went right there on the trail. Oh, yeah, it was bad. It was oh. it was really uh, it was traumatizing because I can still remember it like it happened yesterday. It's the crazy. According state. to a Twitter user, the Good Shepherd. In my experience, there's no public poo place quite as exquisite as CVS. Oh, really? Hidden in the back, dimly lit because of ambiance, duh. Rarely <laughs> rarely trafficked and always clean. It, wow. I, there's no better, it's nothing better than when you walk into like the bathrooms here in our building and the toilet water's blue. Right? Because it means it's just been scrubbed down. It's that freshly clean blue smell that you get whenever you go into the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> do we have time? Do we have time for another quick thing before Matt leaves us here? Yes, please. The most and least popular fast food chains in every state. Results have been released. Someone Google reviewed how to find the top rated fast food chains. Chick-fil-A ranks first overall. That's including in Indiana. Of course. 34 different states. Papa John's is last the lowest rated in 16 so, I can see that. So, but hold on yes, here. Are we putting pizza chains in the same category as like fast I think, food I chains? I think it's all kind of the category. I think they're all pushing it together. I think pizza needs yeah. its own category, right? So Papa John's was last in Indiana, too. I like Papa John's. Oh, I, I love Papa John's because you get the garlic sauce and Dude, you get all that that garlic stuff, butter yeah. is yeah, fantastic. Oh, man, it's terrific. But the problem, every Papa John's, like the last three I've ordered, all the pizza's been on one side of the box. Like the toppings just kind of like drip all the way over to the other. Other side. The other, the other Papa is number one. Papa Murphy's got the most stars, including Indiana. Yeah, but see, Papa Murphy's, you got to make it yourself. <laughs> well, you got to go in and pick. I'm it not up. trying to do any work here. That's the whole point of fast well, food. Well, they make it, they make it for you, but you got to put it in the oven. I don't no. even want to go to the door. Right. <laughs> Let the guy in. When I go to McDonald's, they don't hand me, here's the stuff to make your Big Mac. Get out of here, fatty. Right. It doesn't happen. Shake up your milkshake. <laughs> Matt Bear, it's always fun. Uh, and uh, for those going to a night with WIBC, you're going to be there, right? Oh, I'm going to be there. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it's it's really cool. Can't wait to see everybody. I'm excited. October Fest. October it's still Fest. rolling, baby. <laughs> Matt, thank you. See you guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Spanning the globe. Worldwide, online. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Abdul Akeem Shabazz, attorney at law, writer for IndiePolitics.org, and a longtime host here on 93 WIBC, joining us live in studio. Uh, you're a guy that does polls. You do your own polling. IndiePolitics.org did a, uh, some, some polling recently about the prosecutor's race and some of the other uh, races here in Indiana. Big picture, what are you seeing around the country in terms of, uh, well, the midterm races here and some of the bigger uh, races, including gubernatorial races in in, in Georgia, Senate races in Georgia and Pennsylvania, things like that. Well, it, it's interesting because uh, the polling data shows that a lot of the races are tightening up. 
uh, whether it's Pennsylvania, uh, even Washington State, which is traditionally very blue, uh, is tightening up. Now, with that said, uh, the early voting has also begun in a lot of other places as well. And early voting, whether uh, mail-in or or voting centers, is actually kind of bigger than it was in 2018. Uh, Now, does that benefit Republicans or Democrats? That remains to be seen because, like I said, the polling shows a lot of tight races, uh, which is, once again, which could be considered bad for Republicans since it's a midterm and Republicans should be sweeping everything. But then again, you got the abortion issue. And then also you got early voting as well uh, taking place. So it, it's I think it's going to be a toss up, but I don't think we'll know election night uh, who's running the Senate or House yet. The wow. old saying, I guess, is that the Republicans go to the polls and they vote on Election Day, but the majority of early voting usually tends to favor the Democrat. Um, but it feels like now it's such a bizarre time politically. Everybody is so tribalized on their side. Do you still buy into that? Uh, yes, I do, uh, because uh, old habits are kind of hard to change. Well, if you're the Democrats, what, you're, what your strategy is to get as many votes in from your people, that way they're in. You don't have to worry about people showing up on election day, like, hey, did you go vote? Did you decide to pick you up? Whereas with Republicans, uh, well, they've always been big on voting on election day day. That's just always been sort of their, their thing. They want to pull that lever. They want to push that button, right? Yeah, pull the lever, press the button. Yeah. I voted early at the city county building. My wife, she voted at home because she has to work election day. So we tend to do our things a little bit a little bit differently, but we know our votes are done. They're in, they're counted, and they don't have to worry about that crap anymore. Well, I got to worry about it, but my wife doesn't have to worry about it. Do you think it's a problem when, let's say Pennsylvania, for example, here, their main Senate race, which is Oz against Fetterman, their debate isn't going to be until just a couple days before the actual election. A lot of people have already done their mail-in ballots. Should we have these debates earlier? Um, I, I guess you, 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 you can in the sense that it, it, gives people, it gives voters more information. My thing is, the people who probably early voted you know, got their minds already made up. Right. So you're probably not messing with a whole lot of undecided undecided voters. Now, a couple days beforehand, if you're still undecided, then maybe the debate will be what, will be what makes a decision for you as an individual. What did you think about the uh, Senate debate uh, um, this weekend? Actually, i, I got to give the Tom Indiana McDermott Senate. credit. Uh, McDermott came out with guns a-blazing and uh, sort of you know, beating up on Todd Young. I thought Todd Young... Start out a little bit slower, uh, but he did fine toward the end. And James Simniak, God love him, but it's like somebody get this guy a prompter. Boy, you could have just stopped right after God love him because <laughs> anytime somebody says that, it's always going to be such a backhanded compliment <laughs> or even an insult coming your way. But, God but, love but, him, but, but yeah, but but, the, but his policies though—that's what I keep on th- saying to people—is like I know he had a horrible performance, but what was he saying? What the, what were the actual what, what's well, the actual substance of what's he what's the, you know his message that he's getting well, across? Well, well my know? friend, let me let me let me put it to you like this, uh, Nigel. What's your favorite food? Uh, pizza. Pizza. Okay, pizza with what? Uh, pepperoni. Extra. Pe- extra pepperoni. Anything else? Beer? Yeah, yeah sure. Beer, pizza. Okay, yeah. so tell you what. After we get done today, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to buy you pizza, extra pepperoni, and the best beer that you can get your hands on. Right. However, we're not going to bring it to you on a silver plate. We're going to bring it to you on a garbage can lid. <laughs> And not, and not like a downtown garbage can lid, but a 42nd and Post Road garbage can lid with hepatitis. Oh, that's harsh. And, and hepatitis that is so harsh. No, but see, but see, but, but once again, it's in the presentation. Yeah. And if I can't get past the presentation, then what you got to say does, doesn't really matter. So, 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 so I brought you. I, brought I see your, what brought you're you. doing there. I got that's it. Funny. I got it. Is Todd Young in trouble in this race? Um. 
I, I say Todd has some. I don't see it. I, I don't see. Him, I, I don't see him losing per se. I see it being a lot closer than maybe what they're what they're comfortable with because he's still got those undecided Republicans, those twenty five percent that we polled, who hadn't made up their mind yet. Now, right, so I'm a sports gambling guy. So I'm going to put this into my world here. Over or under five percentage points? Does Todd Young win by over or under five percentage points? I say seven. Okay, so over. Okay. Yeah. Over, right. over over five percentage points. The the thing is with Todd Young is it's those undecided Republicans. Where do they go? Do they just hold their nose and vote for Todd Young? Say they want the Republicans to keep they have a better chance of keeping the Senate. Do they vote for uh, Tom McDermott or do they vote for Siniak or do they just skip that race at all? And I want to say Todd Young has the same issue that Diego Morales has, except from a different brand of the Republican Party right now because Diego has an issue with the establishment wing of the Republican Party because they're undecided about him. So you got all these undecided Republicans out here. So the question is, where, where are they going to go? What are they going to do? One more thing about, I mean, you've been a debate moderator before. Mm-hmm. Um, how important is it for these candidates to participate? I mean, Diego Morales does not participate in the Secretary of State debate. Over in Arizona, Carrie Lake, a very strong candidate for governor there. Um, her opponent will not debate her, get on stage. And, and how important is that to voters? I, th- I think I think everybody should debate at least once. Yeah. I would say I did it and then I never have to do it. Do it again. Uh, because I think you do yourself a disservice and you do the the public a disservice by not by not having the public see you on stage, measure you up against you know, whoever your whoever your opponent is. If you were Dr. Oz and you understand your opponent's had a stroke and he's recovering, there are medical issues, but you still have a Senate race to win. Are you okay with him having this device and like an earpiece and all of these other things needed for the debate? If I were Dr. Oz, like, you can have whatever you want. I'm prepared. Okay. That's a good, yeah, good way to look so, at so, it. So, so yeah. what are you worried about? If you, if you got your act together and you're prepared, you know, whether you can appear, here, here's the whole Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> you, you can reference it with your phone, the whole nine yards. We're ready. We're going to kick your butt. Abdul Hakim Shabazz joining <laughs> us here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Uh, let's bring it back a little closer to home here. The Starbucks very close to closed home. <laughs> down right around the corner here on Monument Circle. This was a story I believe you had first with IndiePolitics.org. Since that story broke, you've had Indy Star reporters and some other folks saying, well, it's not really because of the crime. It's this reason. It's that reason. It's not because of the crime. What's here's your what Starbucks, so Here's what Starbucks told them employees that morning is like we're closing down because a because we're concerned about your public safety number one number two we're concerned about liability that's what starbucks told them Mm. now whether or not it's true remains to be seen but i I have no doubt that the that that part of monument circle has always been an issue whether it's homeless people whether it's the, the, the the crime problem in that part of the circle as you're heading toward the city county building that has always been a problem that has always been an issue and I'm working on a column this weekend that I would argue didn't start recently. It actually started back in 2012 uh, with the Super Bowl when they wanted to build up Georgia Street and move all the all the entertainment, everything down there. That that happened almost sort of the neglect of Monument Circle. Mm. Interesting. Now, one of the things that I've heard is that this is really about the union and the unionization of the Starbucks employees. I've heard that as one of the reasons why it's closing down. No, because once again, that's total BS, because once again, Indiana is a right to work state, which means you cannot compel someone to join a union as a condition of their employment. So why unionize if you can't force people to join? 
But why would and why would Starbucks lie about something like this? Like, why in the world would they say, "Oh, we are uh, we're scared for our employees' safety"? I mean, Starbucks is one of the most woke corporations in the world, donating to several social justice uh, organizations over the past couple of years. It, it just doesn't make any sense why they'd say that that you know uh, we're scared because the crime is so bad down here, and then have it be for some other reason. Well, here, here's my say about that. I give a monkey a typewriter and an infinite amount of time, and the monkey would eventually type Shakespeare. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's still a monkey with a typewriter. <laughs> Same thing here. It's what it's what it is. I mean, I mean, I know people like to look for conspiracies, and but but sometimes, folks, the facts are what they are. And Starbucks is concerned about uh, public safety on that in that particular part of Monument Circle, as well as uh, the liabilities from people coming in and just doing all sorts of weird stuff, you know, in their store. And also, uh, and now you make an interesting point on Starbucks and the, and the whole wokeness thing, because remember when the two black guys got uh banned from the starbucks one thing like in philadelphia yeah, was, uh, yeah Phil's and, right and so starbucks said okay we're gonna let every, anybody in regardless as to whatever happened as opposed to taking reasonable steps to prevent something that's happening again once again another this has been 10 years in the making is this a wow. black eye on ryan mears right before the prosecutor's election and after the debate where he says not once but twice, downtown is safe. Downtown is safe. One of the most liberal blue companies in the world says, yeah, we're closing down our shop on the circle because it's not safe. I don't think it helps. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it helps Ryan Mears when he says uh, in the debate, downtown is safe, which statistically, it, they're, they're, there's, a, there's statistical data which can back you up, but there's also public perception. And if people do not feel safe, it doesn't matter you know and again it's like when your wife is mad at you no matter what you say it doesn't matter right if you're the colts and you give up 50 points to the titans this week and then you follow that up by giving up you know 47 to the team after that yes it's not the 50 but it doesn't mean it's any good (laughs) exactly (laughs) uh you got a show this weekend uh no show this weekend we got uh iu football iu is taking on i want to say penn state i think it is oh Indiana's at Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers uh, this weekend. Tickets we're back. are available for that one, I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> but we're back next week. <laughs> Abdul, thank you. Hey, thank you, gentlemen. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, we got a Pacer home game tonight. We've got high school sectional football getting going tonight. Big Nige, got any plans tonight? Hmm. The plans are currently stored in the beer fridge in your office. <laughs> You're gonna take some to watch that Colts and Titans game with this of weekend. Of course, though. yes. I might have to buy a new a dirty thirty pack of bouche latte. <laughs> as a matter of fact, who you got, Colts or Titans? I'm taking Colts, man. They're on a roll. I mean, three in a row. Let's go, baby. We're on a roll. We beat the Jags <laughs> at home. Hey, it took a last don't, second drive to beat the Jags don't forget, at home. Don't forget the Thursday night game <laughs> i'm trying to forget that <laughs> thursday night game thank you very much and then i think uh maybe tomorrow night we're doing the new fields thing oh okay i'd like to stop by the ash and elm uh, cider thing i think those guys are, might be dropping off some uh some good cider stuff i'd like to stop by there i'd like to do some new fields and then yeah definitely the colts and the titans the big one baby so next Thursday, we were making fun of Thursday Night Football a minute ago. I think Tampa Bay is involved. I think the Buccaneers are going to be on Thursday Night Football, which means it's Tom Brady. It's been an interesting couple of weeks for Tom Brady. You've got the divorce going on. You've got him comparing going away to training camp to like military deployment. Yeah, he was berating his offensive linemen on the sidelines during last week's game. So Tom Brady was asked by a reporter if he's going to retire 
at the end of this season. And uh, here's the response. Well, that's really why I'm here. I'm here to announce, finally, you guys push me to the brink. No, I think a lot of it for me is just us going out there to, you know, I love the sport and I love the teammates and I want to go do a great job for this team like I always have. So no retirement in my future. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. That's just fancy talk for now that I don't have the old ball and chain giving me crap every five minutes, I'm going to play another five years. It's rock and roll, baby. No more ball and chain, like you said. Wow. I, is, is there a part of him that wishes he would have stayed retired? And now he's, you know, his family's breaking up just to lose in the wild card. Right. <laughs> and they lost last week to a pretty bad Pittsburgh squad. Like Tom Brady lost to the quarterback duo of Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett last weekend. I'm sorry, Tom Brady doesn't need to be losing to dudes named Kenny. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been um, Carrie Fisher's 66th birthday today. She uh, died a few years ago, heart attack, drugs. What's, I mean, let's take out Star Wars. Can you name me any other Carrie Fisher? movies uh you? great cameo in blues brothers yeah the mystery she was woman. the crazy yeah. love interest of uh uh john belushi yeah also uh the burbs the burbs tom yes. hanks's wife in the burbs i forgot about that uh carrie fisher so she would have been how 66. old 66 man she died pretty young yes unexpectedly now, there was some hard living in there yeah, with carrie so. fisher i think so but official cause of death is a heart attack, I believe. Uh, coming up next, oh, man, I can't wait. People have been texting me all day. When can we hear about Fetterman? When can we hear about that big goon in Pennsylvania? Well, dreams come true. Oh, my. We will have some midterm stuff yes. coming up next. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So Man, Hammer, I've been waiting for this all day. It's Friday. I'm fired up. Let's not waste any time. Let's get into some midterm stuff. Polling. Debates. Fetterman. The Eagles are so much better than the Eagles. <laughs> midterm stuff. Better woman! 18 more days, Nige. 18 more days until the midterm elections. I'll be sad when it's over. Will you? Oh, yeah. Little tear down the side of my eye. So it feels like, now that we're in the home stretch of this thing, in Pennsylvania, where Fetter Woman is running against Dr. Oz, it feels like the Democrats are starting to. Oh, I don't know. Feel the heat. They're panicking a little bit. And that's why I was sort of stunned yesterday when we saw Joe Biden, America's most unpopular president since, I don't know, Carter, Buchanan, whoever, name him, was there campaigning for Fetterman. Fetterman on the same stage. That's I was kind of completely stunned by that, actually. And Fetterman didn't say a word <laughs> right. at that event. He, he just If two mumbling, mushmouth morons are sharing the same stage, better just let one of them speak. <laughs> so it feels like the poll numbers and just the feel of the state are really starting to tighten up with this Senate race. This could be the one race that decides who controls the Senate here. So the Democrats, they're bringing out the big guns here. They're bringing out the face of the franchise to campaign for Fetterman. In Pennsylvania, you've got some important choices to make this year, including who represents you in the U.S. Senate. That's why I'm asking you to vote for John Fetterman this election day. 
November 8th. So when the fate of our democracy and a woman's right to choose are on the line, I know John will fight for Pennsylvanians. You can count on John Fetterman. Make sure he can count on you. So Barack Obama... They had to pay a pretty wow. hefty check to old Barry to get him to stump for Fetterman, no doubt. And my favorite part of that line is the fate of the democracy. Stephen Miller on Twitter, quote, if the fate of our democracy hinges on a stroke victim who can't understand words or answer basic questions, then we're already way <laughs> far gone. <laughs> uh, point taken. I mean, remember yesterday when somebody was asking him about, um, uh, uh, he they was asking him something and his wife answered for him. Sorry, we're not doing interviews. It was after the Biden speech. It was about the bridge. Yeah, yeah. the bridge. Right, 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 right. It wasn't about anything controversial at all. Right. They didn't ask him to break down his views on abortion. Hey, what do you think about that bridge? Hey, hey, you can't be throwing questions at him like that. I mean, you have to understand that Fetterman was up by double digits at one point in the polling, and now they've dropped, you know, you know, Dr. Oz has made huge gains. But what does this say about Dr. Oz that yet he's still trailing, if you look at the polls? You have not leapfrogged this guy according to the polls and he's fresh off of a stroke and he can't really communicate how bad is the Oz campaign that if you buy polling they're losing to this guy they're losing to Fetter woman the dude with the goiter on his neck the guy that can't put a sentence together I mean an NBC reporter interviewed this dude she said yeah he's got issues and then the political left went after her and by the way, it's not us calling him Fetter Woman. That's what he said at a, a convention or something like that. It was Some a women's of, event. A, a women's event. And he like, like all of a sudden it just came to him like a light bulb went off in his head. Like, I don't know, like a, like he put a light bulb in his mouth like Uncle Fester. <laughs> Fetter Woman! <laughs> the Eagles! And they feel obligated to clap yeah. like that one guy that went... Woo. So embarrassing. Yeah, right. Um, uh, Fetterman backed Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner. Oh, that's a big surprise. He wants to let all the violent criminals out. Uh, Krasner says it's racist to talk about lawless Democrat-run cities. What? Part of the Republican playbook, as you well know, is to point a finger at large, diverse cities and say large, diverse cities are lawless. Does that remind you of anything? You ever heard that before? Those of you in the press are students of history. You're aware of the Southern strategy. What we see here is the same old playbook, which is about coded and racist messaging. It's about blaming the biggest city in Pennsylvania with the most diverse population for having the same national struggle that we have with gun violence everywhere. Well, I think the playbook is this exactly what happens when Democrats are backed into a corner. They play the race card. Krasner is a complete failure. He's one of those Soros DAs. His campaign was 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 filled up with a bunch of cash and money from the PACs funded by Soros, who's a billionaire radical uh, liberal. And I, my question is, why is it racist to oppose crime? I saw this today, and I thought, like, why do Democrats link crime with color? Like, when, whenever a liberal is losing a battle, when it comes to the obvious truth, the word racist always comes into play. That's the playbook. So is he assuming violent crime is a minority issue? Is that what it is? If you're calling me a racist for pointing out crime in big Democrat-led cities with radical Dem prosecutors as racist, then yes, you are implying that it's minorities that are the cause of it all. 
the Democrats are so bad at the crime issue, right? They don't know how to address it. They don't know how to fix it. All they can do is just look at you and call you a racist for acknowledging that there's a problem. Even Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough of MSNBC says that this is a big problem that you see with Democrats. When you have cops quitting left and right in Philadelphia because they don't feel like, you know, they're, they're not going to risk their lives so they can arrest people who are going to be out on the street the next day. And then you have progressives telling people in Philadelphia, telling these people, oh, you're wrong. Don't believe your lying eyes. Don't believe the fact there's something wrong for you for being afraid to go to work. There's something wrong with you for being afraid to go home, as they were talking about right there. It is just really progressives on crime in places like Philadelphia and New York are so extraordinarily clueless. Who was that? Tucker Carlson? Uh, No, that was not Tucker Carlson. That was Joe Scarborough. (laughs) Morning Joe. I can't believe I agreed with every word of that. Wow. I mean, so when Morning Joe is saying that. So if you've lost Morning Joe, sweet mother of God, what does that say about your stances on the issue? Um, We're doing some midterm stuff here, and uh, Joe Biden, they propped him up today. They gave him a big shot in the ass of whatever they need to make him speak, and he was talking about what would happen if the Republicans got control of the House or the Senate, and would their policies make inflation worse? Everything they proposed or are proposing will make inflation worse everything getting ready for that big red wave is what he's doing he's getting ready for uh, uh the democrats to be demolished in the midterms in what 18 days is that what he said 18 days so he's planting little seeds now uh look it's all their fault it's all their fault it does nothing to do with my spending or or my energy policies or or the 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 build back better plan and the all billions money. to ukraine yeah, it has nothing to do with that it has to do with the fact that i'm going to get trounced in 2022 and in 2024 and it's all their fault how could inflation really get worse like i hate to say that out loud because joe biden can screw this up more but when he took office inflation was at 1.4 percent today it's at 8.2 percent that's unbelievable let's hear what joe biden has to say about gas prices price of gas the pump is coming down is it oh really is it joe 420 today gas prices were at 239 a gallon when Joe Biden put his hand up and put the other one on the Bible and took the oath of office, 239. Today, 382 is the national average. Yeah, it's more expensive here in Central Indy, for sure. Again, I was like 419, 420, somewhere around there, uh, about 100 bucks to fill up the old trucks dirty day at Ford and Oak, the speedway there. And since we're speaking about hair sniff McGee, Joe Biden, (laughs) uh, let's take a trip down memory lane. Happy anniversary, everybody. One year ago today, Joe Biden said that, you know, he should go down at the border, but he's just been too busy. Do you have plans to visit the southern border? Uh, I've been there before and I haven't. I mean, I know it well. I guess I should go down, but the... But, but, but the whole point of it is I haven't had a whole hell of a lot of time to get down. I've been spending time going around looking at the $900 billion worth of damage done by, uh, by hurricanes and floods and, and weather and, tra- and traveling around the world. But uh, 
I plan on now. My wife Jill has been down. She's been on oh. both sides of the river. She's seen the circumstances. Elected there. official Doctor Jill. Into those places. <laughs> you notice you're not seeing a lot of pictures of kids lying on top of one another with, uh, you know, with 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 with, blind, with uh, um, you know, uh, huh? it looks like tarps on top of them. No, they just walk across the border, Joe. They don't have to lay around anymore. They just walk right across your border. And I had noticed I haven't seen a lot of those images of kids in cages. Because they're still happening down there. It still happens down there, but it's just the wrong guys in office for those to get plastered all over mainstream media. Since that town hall he did on CNN one year ago, over 2.1 million illegal aliens have crossed into the United States, and he spent over 100 days on vacation. All right. There you go. That's your guy. 80-plus million votes right there, Joe Biden. And Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? Fetter Woman! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, how to get it out of my system. Uh, I'll run some stories by you. You tell us if it's anything or not. All right. I want you to listen to this exchange. This is a video that's gone viral. Little neighbor feud here. Listen to this exchange between a guy in his backyard and a neighbor lady who's holding a gardening tool while straddling their adjoining wall. (laughs) She's hell-bent on cutting down a large plant in his yard, and she swears up a storm when he says that that's not going to happen. You're trespassing? You're threatening me with a weapon climbing a wall? Yeah, I have you on camera, and I have you... I'm not threatening you. you, I'm going to go over and cut that. Is this your plant? Is this your property? No, it's not. It would be against the law to climb that wall and to cut these plants. I'm gonna cut it down if I have to blow up the damn place! Okay, now you're threatening <laughs> to blow up the damn place? I'm calling the cops, Diane. You damn the- you son of a You too, Diane. Have a good day. I'm gonna have my camera set so if anything happens, I'll know exactly who did it. You were nothing but rude and belligerent. Have a good day, ma'am. Oh, you son of a Yes, you too. Thank you. It sounds like uh, Hillary Clinton after she found out Bill was cheating on her with uh, with uh, what's her face? Oh, Monica. Uh, Monica Lewinsky. You're not a bitch. You're not a bastard. That's classic. Yes, that's something. And I think this guy is kind of playing it wrong. I think he needs to befriend this this person and uh, keep keep the uh, TikToks going. Keep the content pumping out i mean that's she could turn you turn this person into a star (laughs) oh my gosh that was wonderful i did uh retweet to scroll down a little bit at hammer and nigel uh on twitter but it just makes you watching something like this we talked we've talked about this before about how lucky you are if you have decent neighbors right i mean can you play just a little bit bit of that again imagine having to deal with this type of lunacy every day of your life cut these plants i'm gonna cut it down i'm about to blow up the damn place okay now you're threatening <laughs> to blow up the damn place i'm calling the cops diane you damn the- son of a <laughs> you too diane have a good day i'm gonna have my camera set so if anything happens i'll know exactly who did it you, you were nothing but rude and belligerent have a good day ma'am oh you son of a Yes, you too. Thank you. Who is this Monica Lewinsky chick? You son of a... (laughs) Oh, you son of a... (laughs) Yes, this is something. You can hear the uncensored full version. Uh, Just go to our Twitter, at Hammer and Nigel. 
Is this anything? <laughs> a customer at a McDonald's drive-thru was complaining about not getting sauce, but the employee wasn't having it. So she threw a cup of ice at her. Take a listen. So I can't have sauce. Yeah, you don't like it, huh? Oh, yeah? You're going to throw water on me? Oh. Oh, yeah. Really now? Who's calling the cops now? Because I asked for some sauce. So, so wait a minute. The McDonald's drive through worker is the one that threw the ice on the customer? Yes. Okay. Uh, now, I don't know if this is anything or not. I, I Probably not, as usual. The, the lady's video doesn't... It, it doesn't have what led up to the stress that she brought to the fast food employee over the extra sauce. I don't know what led up to the ice toss or anything like that, but mostly when you see these videos, 99.9% of the time, it's the customer that's causing the problems and wreaking havoc and harassing the poor employees behind the counter. So I have no idea what happened. Probably uh, inappropriate for an employee to, uh, I mean, you could technically be charged with assault for something like that. Yeah, I watched it. She does have a full cup of ice and just throws it on her but i'm thinking i'm betting more than 50 percent that the customer deserved it in some way shape or form have you ever been close to being in a fight over sauce <laughs> because if you have you have made some wrong decisions in your life at that point it's not even about the sauce yeah. it's something deep inside of you that's been broken for a long long time lastly is this anything an update on those fired daycare workers in Mississippi that were caught on camera scaring the toddlers with Halloween masks. Did you see that? We did this when you were gone. Yeah. What a bunch of a-holes. Those five employees have been charged with child abuse. Good. And four of them were charged with felonies. Here's the mother of one of the children in the video uh, talking about those charges. I was in complete shock of what I witnessed, um, whether they had a mask on or the mask off. Their behavior was unacceptable. My blood pressure was raised. Yeah. It broke my heart for my child. I was angry. I hope you're enjoying jail. And I hope you realize what you've done is serious. I, I, I could barely watch that footage. I, like, I hated seeing little kids scared like that and screaming. And if that were me, if that were my kid, and I had the chance to wrap my hands around the neck of somebody that did that to my kid, I would squeeze as hard as possible. Yeah, that's something. And I'm glad they're going to jail. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I think it's awesome. The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIPC. You rock. Is this the theme music? Kyle, what would a WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross say about this music? By God! By God, that's AOC's music! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, AOC was heckled again in her own district. The Bronx. Um, you remember last week there were some anti-war protesters there. I had a point about you know funding of the war in Ukraine, and it got really rowdy. I mean, she appeared at an event that the the crowd was rowdy, chanting "AOC has got to go." You know, she's mocking them. She's sitting there on stage with her. Uh, microphone and she starts doing a little dance right uh, basically making fun of them rubbing them in her faces 
uh, rubbing it in their faces. And this was kind of a larger Latino crowd. Like the incident a week ago, it seemed like it was a kind of a hodgepodge of everybody in there. This crowd that heckled her last night was more of a Hispanic type of crowd. And then when AOC finally comes out after getting heckled and booed and you heard that chant, listen to the thick accent that AOC breaks out here. What? Let's play it again. She doesn't. All right, all right. Listen, all right. Listen, listen. Okay, listen. Why? Why is she talking like that? Is she trying to relate to the uh, Hispanic people in the room? Is she trying to say I'm I'm one of you guys? No, she doesn't talk like that though. I don't care if that's her heritage or not. She that's not the way she speaks. Play it one more time, please, that's Kyle. Not the way she talks. It's almost like she's doing a stereotype of somebody. She is. She absolutely. I mean, if you've ever heard AOC talk in real life, she sounds like a a, a middle-aged Zionsville housewife that lives on Hunt Club Road. <laughs> right. She doesn't sound like that. Which brings us to great moments in political accent history. Now, you're probably asking yourself, what's a political accent? <laughs> That's when somebody acts like they have an accent just to be part of the group, to try to win somebody over. Like when Hillary Clinton went to that Southern church. Reverend Green, when those bones get up and when that spirit is breathed into them. You know, I've heard Corey preach. Oh, yeah. Oh, Mrs. Sewell, you know. So (laughs) Hillary doesn't sound country at all. But if you were to take those words and put it into like, oh, I don't know, the theme of the Dukes of Hazard, you would see that it's a very country (laughs) accent. Reverend Green, (laughs) when those bones get up. Oh, Mrs. Sewell, you know. Just a good old boy. Reverend Green. Reverend Green. Never meaning no harm. When those bones get up. Beats all you never saw when in trouble with a loss since the day was born. You know, it would be like me if I was like a representative in my district was in the in this, you know, southern Indiana and I was at a town hall and they were all chanting, Nigel's gotta go. Nigel and I started going, All right, everybody, calm down, calm down, everybody. <laughs> you know, hey, my daddy once told me. My daddy once told me like if I start speaking redneck <laughs> when that's not actually how I talk, that's the same thing here. Right. Now that's and and as of, uh, offensive as well. And it's not just Democrats, because if we're doing great moments in political accent history, who could forget the uh, 2000, oh my goodness, 16 presidential primaries when Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz (laughs) were going back and forth and Ted Cruz broke out the Spanish. (laughs) Because Marco Rubio said, well, how do you know what I'm talking about? Because you don't speak Spanish. Can I hear Ted Cruz again, please? (laughs) So here's what I want to do right now. I want to take AOC. I want to take Ted Cruz. I want to put them together, but also a little bit of smoky from Friday. Listen, listen, okay, listen. Ahora, ahora mismo, díselo ahora. En español, si quieres. Chiquita, hermano, como decime que le viene a tomar de la cosa. Great moments 
and political accent history. A- AOC is smoky in Friday. <laughs> that's what she was doing right there. Oh, that's so funny. We have uh, some drama in the UK, and I want to do this story justice. Okay. This is a big deal about what's happening over in the UK. So, Kyle, do we have some very serious mood music? <laughs> is that really... After only six weeks as Prime Minister, Great Britain Prime Minister Liz Truss resigned yesterday. Isn't that crazy? She uh, faced calls to step down after a massive reversal of economic policies. Our country has been held back for too long by low economic growth. I was elected by the Conservative Party with a mandate to change this. We delivered on energy bills and on cutting national insurance. And we set out a vision for a low-tax, high-growth economy that would take advantage of the freedoms of Brexit. I recognise, though, given the situation, I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected by the Conservative Party. I have therefore spoken to His Majesty the King to notify him that I am resigning as leader of the Conservative Party. Yeah, so the government there, they were trying to introduce some new mini-budget, right? And it was criticized all the way around, so she resigned. It's so weird the way they do things over there. Like, could you imagine? I wish they did that kind of thing over here. You know, Biden's disaster in Afghanistan, he should have stepped down immediately, Uh, you know, if you know, judging by what happened in the UK, if just by pure policy and performance... Uh, the the leaders resign. Boy, Joe Biden should have stepped down a couple of weeks after he took office. So the question now becomes, who's next? The Commons leader, Penny Mordaunt, uh, she's running to become the uh, prime minister here. But also, guess who's back in the mix? Old Boris Johnson, Nigel. He just re- the guy just resigned. Right. Uh, there are multiple cabinet members who are hitching their wagon to old man Boris, wanting him to come on back. So let me set the scene for you right here. At the very next parliament meeting, right? Everybody's sitting around. They're looking around to see who's going to be the leader of this thing. And all of a sudden, you hear this. (laughs) Wait a minute. That's Boris Johnson's music. And he comes walking back up there with his frivoly hair, his disheveled suit. Yeah. He looks like he, he looks like somebody at a costume contest dressed up like Donald Trump. Right. Right. At a Halloween contest. Right. Oh look, Donald Trump. No, that's, that's actually, actually Boris, Boris Johnson. There. That's Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I things are wonky over there. I don't know exactly how it works, but that is that is just so bizarre. And I really wish our our guy, you know, Biden should have stepped down a long time ago. If, if they did things the way they do here. Uh, Dude, do some of the these UK, I mean. parliamentary hearings are fun to watch. Like, if you watch um, a little bit of, like, what happens in Canada, like, oh, they yeah. will bring Justin Trudeau in, sit pretty boy down, and rip him right to his face. Yeah, I'd be watching C-SPAN all day long if they did things like that here in the United States. Right. Yeah. Um, so, last night on Thursday Night Football, um, 
there was a promotion about Taylor Swift, right? The NFL's partnered with Taylor Swift, hyping up her Midnight's album release oh, or yeah. something. There's some yeah, sort of partnership. My wife and daughter were, were looking that up this morning as soon as they got out of bed. Your wife and daughter? Yes. Okay, I think that's important here because Al Michaels, the play-by-play guy for Thursday Night Football, he's taking a bunch of crap right now because he said that Taylor Swift makes music that only appeals mainly to girls. If you had a daughter, she'd be over the moon. I have a granddaughter who's on right now. Dialed in this week, probably, waiting for that information. Oh, yeah. Nobody more popular among the teenage girl group than Taylor Swift. Big as it gets. Fantastic performer, too. Worldwide. Oh, yeah. So that's Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit talking about Taylor Swift. So what's everybody's panties in a wad for here? Brooke Pryor from ESPN, quote, all respect to Al Michaels, but dudes can be Taylor Swift fans too. Phew, the toxic masculinity is strong. Oh my God. Michael David Smith of Pro Football Talk, quote, the NFL wants to be in business with Taylor Swift in part because she appeals to a demographic that the NFL would like to reach more. But Al Michaels' assumption that Kirk Herbstreet's kids wouldn't like Taylor Swift because he has sons was really dumb. Here are some of the other comments that I've I seen on social I don't know if media. I stomach it. I, I don't know. Al Michaels writing off Taylor Swift as just a girl singer that granddaughters would love is both equally embarrassing and condescending. Sir, Taylor Swift could buy you out many times over. Ooh, please don't tell me Al Michaels has apologized. I, I don't think my heart could take it. No. Okay. I, I, he's old enough now to where he could just give a big middle finger to these woke idiots that are on social media. And yeah, hey, got news for you. Chicks like Taylor Swift's music. Right. I bet there is a disparity uh, in the demographic there between male and female right i don't think you're going out of your way to say the majority of people that will listen to metallica are guys yes and the majority of people that will listen to taylor swift are chicks are there crossovers yes but of course i gotta do that this one (laughs) that one put me over the edge i didn't hear one single thing in that clip that would have made me be like "Ooh." They even said she's a great performer. Yeah. Like, sometimes you're watching things, and the announcers will say something, and even though, like, I'm kind of attuned to that stuff, we live in this bubble, and sometimes somebody will say something, I'm like, ooh, they might get in trouble for that. I I heard nothing. Did you you hear anything in that clip that that, would have made you say, oh, the the woke chick from ESPN, the NFL sideline reporter, is going to chastise one of the greatest iconic uh, uh, broadcasters of all time? Because he said something, because he said chicks like Taylor Swift. Listen, for all those horrible Thursday night games that Al Michaels (laughs) has had to watch, he can say whatever he wants. We got a big five o'clock hour coming up for you. Uh, biggest stories of the day, plus the coach Dan Dockich will join us in studio. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is here. Hello. One of the knocks and criticisms that we get, Nige, is that sometimes our show gets a little too carried away. We get a little too rowdy. It's not really kid friendly. No. So every once in a while, oh, no. we like to make our younger listeners happy with a segment we call fun facts for kids it's time for hammer and nigel's fun facts for kids these are tidbits of real information that the younger listeners of this program can take and enjoy it's a special halloween theme today famous famous magician harry houdini 
died on Halloween, October 31st, 1926. And kids, this is just a reminder that no matter how talented and how smart you are, there's no escape from death. Fun facts for kids. I'm not sure how that is a, in any way, shape, or form a fun fact. In 1970, a five-year-old boy allegedly ate Halloween candy laced with heroin. Investigators later discovered the heroin belonged to the boy's uncle and was not intended to be put into Halloween candy. And this just serves as a reminder that not all family members are good and not all family members love you. Fun facts for kids! How, How is that a fun fact for any kid that might be listening? In 1974, an eight-year-old died of cyanide poisoning Good after God. eating Halloween candy. Come on. Investigators later learned that his father had taken out a $20,000 life insurance policy on each of his children and that he had poisoned his own son and attempted to poison his daughter. <sighs> Which once again serves as a reminder that not all family members are good and not all family members love you. Fun facts for kids! An intense and persistent fear of Halloween is a phenomenon called Samhamophobia. Unlike today's lighthearted and candy-filled holiday, a festival of the dead was believed to be the day when the gates of hell would open up and (laughs) unleash wandering angry spirits. Many of these spirits were thought to deliver pain and suffering on the living and make many people, including children, feel the wrath and death of hell. Fun facts for kids! No, stop. Stop it. Can we do one more? No! We got time for one more? No! According to legend, if you put your clothes on inside out and walk backward on Halloween, you'll see a witch at midnight, and that witch is Nancy Pelosi. Okay. I wish you should have stopped at the previous one. The White House was first decorated for Halloween in 1958. Bernie Sanders was 64 years old. (laughs) Fun facts for kids. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! More in just a second about Trump getting the subpoena from the January 6th committee. But Hammer, old number 45, Donald Trump has laid down the gauntlet. He has issued a huge warning. You better pay attention, Mike Pence. Uh You better pay attention, Pompeo. Pay attention, Nikki Haley, because... It would be very disloyal to run against him in 2024. Oh, this is uh, this is from an interview earlier today. Donald Trump with uh, Brian Kilmeade from Fox News, friend of the show. Brian Kilmeade will be on with us next week. Um, Brian asked him. I like how he kept out. He kept on trying to make Trump commit to a date when he's officially going to announce because Trump hasn't actually announced a run yet, right? But. He asked him when he's going to decide if you're going to run in 2024, and how would you handle running against Pence or Pompeo or Nikki Haley? Well, many of them have said they would never run if I run, so we'll see whether or not that turns out to be true. I think it would be very disloyal if they did, but that's okay, too. And the polls have me leading by 40, 50 points. I'm leading by a lot. Right. Uh, The other thing is I'll probably decide in the not-too-distant future we have to make this country great again. We had it great. We had energy independence. We were respected all over the world. We had low taxes. Everything that's happened, we had no inflation, right. as you know. We had we had this thing going like nobody's, like our country has never been before. But we when, had a when would you border. decide if you're going to run, Mr. When would you decide right? if you want to try that again? 
We had the strongest border in history. <laughs> uh, we had all of the things. It was so beautiful. And now, look at our country. Our country is a failed country. We're, gotcha. we're, we're really a nation in decline. And that's a well, very sad thing. There you go. Donald Trump saying it would be very disloyal for any former members of his cabinet to run against him. Now, I notice... He didn't say anything about uh, guys like DeSantis. DeSantis wasn't in his cabinet. Right. But uh, one could make the argument that Donald Trump got DeSantis elected down there a few years ago. And the people um, that he mentioned, though, like, are is there really a large faction of this country that's like, boy, I hope Pompeo runs? No, but there has been polling that says Mike Pence is very popular. And he's right about his own polling that he mentioned in that interview. He Trump is huge in, in the polls with with republicans i'm curious to see what would happen if there were indeed a primary that featured desantis and trump along with pence and some other folks as well um that'd be fun what would people do behind closed doors right everybody can go on social media and say one thing or tell their friends something but when you go back there to vote and it's just you and your ballot what are you going to do yeah, well, I don't think we're going to see a DeSantis v. Trump primary. I just don't think that's going to happen. DeSantis is is easily going to be the you know win uh, his election in Florida, and if Trump wins, DeSantis is a young guy. He's got another few years. He'll be fine. You know what they said that about Dan Marino and going to the Super Bowl, and guess what? <laughs> Never got back there. You got to strike while the iron's hot. Damn it. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, so. The January 6th committee got together today. There's that. And they are subpoena. Subpoena, subpoena, subpoena. Subpoena, 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 subpoena. Funky cold subpoena being sent to number 45. (laughs) Uh, Donald Trump has until November 4th to respond to the subpoena. Meanwhile, Steve Bannon uh, is going to be serving four months behind bars for basically just giving a middle finger to the subpoena that he received from the committee. Right, and that's on appeal, and I I doubt he'll serve any more four months. Give me a break. I don't think there's anybody that served. There may be a few of those guys. Flynn, maybe uh, Manafort served uh, a year, maybe. Maybe more on that, but like all these ancillary ancillary players that were, quote-unquote, associated with Donald Trump served like, they they were all procedural crimes. Right. That they were, you know, the Mueller probe. Nobody cares about Papadopoulos. (laughs) Nobody really gives a damn about Steve Bannon. It's all about Trump. And we said this earlier, whether it's Hunter Biden, Hillary Clinton, or Donald Trump, big people of that stature and that name don't get locked up. Oh, and don't get me wrong. I would love to see Trump sit down there in front of that committee and go after Kinzinger and Cheney and Schiff. That'd be pay-per-view worthy. And and, 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 and Benny Thompson and and all those guys. (laughs) You know, it's just such a fake sham it, you can't call it a trial. There's no cross-examination. They wouldn't let Jim Banks be a part of it. They or wouldn't Jim let Jim Jordan be a part of it. Um, where are we at with this story? Elon Musk talking about cleaning house at Twitter. I probably needs to do a little bit of that. This is according to the Washington Post. Um, the deadline's coming up, October 28th, where Elon Musk is supposed to take over Twitter. According to the Post, Elon plans to lay off as many as 5,000 of Twitter's workforce once his acquisition becomes officially final. So if this is the case, um, that's going to be a big chunk of their workforce. Now, normally, 
when we're talking about this kind of thing on our show, Nige, people losing their jobs isn't anything that should be celebrated. But if it's 5,000 people who have tried to censor free speech and carried the water for Joe Biden's crack-sniffing son <laughs> and people that help shape elections, cue up the band. All right. I hope Elon fires every damn one of them. Every one of them. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Now, watch. Nothing will happen. Because every time you get your hopes up for this kind of crap, nothing ever happens. Crime. Punishment. Judges. Legal stuff. I'm not sure it's been such an incredible week or two for Kanye West. I mean... Who? Kanye. Kanye West. I'm not familiar with that name. Oh. Is it is Yeezus now? Yay. Oh, yay. Yay, yeah. Yes, the sorry. artist yay. formerly known as Kanye West <laughs> is now just yay. Well, but he was Yeezus at one point, wasn't he? Or was that somebody else? I think that was just a nickname that he gave himself. Oh. Now, I believe, according to that interview he did with Fredo the other night, <laughs> he's officially yay. Uh, you guys are supposed to be made aware to use my legal name, yay. <laughs> I've changed my name, like how Cassius Clay changed his name to Muhammad Ali. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys didn't mean it as any disrespect, <laughs> but Indies on the Chiron changed my name to Ye. This was the Chris Cuomo interview, right? Right. Um, um, you can say formerly known as Kanye West if you'd like to, but my name is Ye. Why yeah. change it? Uh, sir, uh, I need to have the name changed. We'll change it. Uh, okay. I'm All right. So, uh, so I'm sorry. Yes, I started this segment out on the wrong foot. It's your, it's yay or ye. Somewhere or yay. the guys in the barber shop in coming to America. <laughs> Mama name him Kanye. I'm gonna call him Kanye. Uh, but my original point was it hasn't been a very good week for him. It started off good. I liked the things he had to say on Tucker Carlson. Had some pretty interesting things to say after he got done at the fashion show uh, over in Europe with, with the T-shirt that said White Lives Matter. And then he went on Tucker Carlson. I had some interesting things to say about. Uh, you know, being famous and in the media and what people expect of you. But then he kind of got on this anti-Semitic thing. And that's where you're not okay yeah, with this. Right. Let, me, let me just make this perfectly clear. Right. Nigel is not okay with all of Kanye's comments. Yeah, he's kind of taken a little bit of a spiral since that interview we did with Tucker. And now he's involved uh, what it looks like is a lawsuit from George Floyd's family. So George Floyd's family is preparing to sue Yay, for two hundred and fifty million bucks, uh, because wow. the artist, formerly known as Kanye West, <laughs> said that George Floyd's death was caused by drugs, but not by police officers. Mm, oh boy! So they're trying to sue for libel right now. But here's the thing, Nige, you can't sue for libel if you're dead. If a dead man is not there to say, I was offended by something, obviously you can't sue for that. That would make sense. Dan Abrams brought this up on his program on News Nation because he had the attorneys on that are trying to go after yay. Well, I think, um, you know, let's let's use the Alex Jones case, the Sandy Hook uh, verdict that recently came out. Let's talk about that as precedent. You know, our claims are based in intentional infliction of emotional distress, okay? And so in in Texas, you cannot um, inflict emotional distress uh, on another person. You can't cause harm. I, I think I think what everybody is missing, you know, everybody's talking about free speech right now. Everybody's talking about, um, you know, well, you know, he has the right to say whatever he wants, and that's just not true. 
So he kind of went down a rabbit hole there and ducked and dodged and talked about free speech. And to his credit, Dan Abrams pushed back against that attorney and another one they had on the show. You know, the Alex Jones case is one you guys have have, have, have cited. The difference with Alex Jones is, number one, he didn't fight the case, right? There was just a a judgment issued against him because he didn't present a defense. And number two, the parents were also defamed by Alex Jones, and they're alive. And so it's not really comparable to say, oh, this case is just like Alex Jones, is it? Well, so that's not quite true. So there are... there are plaintiffs that were a part of the Sandy Hook case the, against Alex Jones, Alex Jones, uh, who did not have the defamation claims. So uh, some of the parents only had intentional infliction of emotional distress claims, and those are valid and can stand alone if we choose Texas as a jurisdiction that we that we. But he's going lawsuit. after the parents. That's the difference. Is Alex Jones was mocking the parents? He was saying that they were actors as well. That, and that makes this different. All Kanye is saying, again, and it's, it's off, the, off the wall, I'm not defending what he's saying, but, but, but what he's saying is about the death of George Floyd, not about his family members. So he, so, so the, Kanye West, and I, forget it, I'm, I'm not calling him Yee. It's Kanye West. <laughs> Screw it. I'm not doing an artist formerly known as. But Kanye said, essentially, that his death was not caused by the knee on the neck. It was by the drugs that were in his system. There were drugs in George Floyd's system, right? Correct. But he's saying that, which is, again, I don't even think anybody's proved this or said this that he's saying it was the drugs that caused him to die right. and so for that uh, they want 250 million dollars now keep in mind kanye in the past has donated millions of bucks to like various george floyd mm-hmm. themed funds and that's not good enough for the family now they want another 250 million they got george floyd's family got somewhere between i want to say 27 and 34 million dollars they settled with the city there. So they are sitting on a load of cash uh, and $250 million for defaming a, a guy that's passed away. Doesn't seem like it's going to go very far in the courts. To me. No. Dan, Dan Abrams kind of yeah. laid it all out. Um, this is a frivolous case, but you guys have fun. Knock yourselves out. Uh, we got some more legal stuff here, and there's a lot going on here. So oh, I need boy. you to follow me on this Should one. I take notes? Please. Okay. It might help. A Vermont school district, which is under fire for allowing a biological male student to use the girls' locker room, has just suspended the middle school soccer coach for using the wrong pronouns to talk about the student that was involved in this because the soccer coach's daughter was in the locker room. So the soccer yeah. coach has been suspended because he used the wrong pronouns to talk about the person that was undressing in front of his daughter. And for people that say that this isn't a problem or all this kind of thing, this stuff is made up, oh, it only happens here and there. Oh, you're blowing this way out of proportion. Yet another story like this, Hammer. So the soccer coach, his name is Travis Allen, has been suspended without pay from his job at the Randolph Union Middle School, and he's no longer the girls' soccer coach. Uh, this was according to a letter that came out earlier this well, what week. Did, what did he say? He called the student he or a oh, male. Oh, he was using the wrong pronouns? Bingo. Man, didn't didn't you have to go through some training on that here a couple of weeks ago? Oh, you're going to have to go through it, too. You don't get to just miss out, my friend. If you miss that training, you'll have to go through and do it again. 
Uh, so he's suspect that's ridiculous. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with highlighting the fact that, yeah, my daughter, my young daughter is very uncomfortable having a biological male change in the same locker room as, as this person. And, and this is where we're at. And this, this is what parents are waking up to. And this, it gets a little squirrely here. So this is from a local paper uh, in Vermont called The Daily Signal. Several of the girls in the locker room spoke with, the, spoke with this newspaper and said that uh, they had asked this student to leave because it was making them uncomfortable of because uh, of obvious reasons. Uh, but the student did not immediately leave. The girls then said that the student stood in the corner and watched them while they were changing, oh, so looking at them, causing them to feel uncomfortable. What a creep. Yeah. I mean, at least if you're going to go through this whole charade, do everything in your power to make the other people in the locker room that are actually biological females to feel comfortable around you and don't just stand there and stare at them. Right. That's a little weird. That's a lot of weird, honestly. Yeah, keep us updated on that one. Uh, lastly, last bit of legal stuff here. So remember that story we had earlier in the week about that British political reporter who fat-shamed people on the American Airlines flight? Oh, she had to sit in between two obese people. She's in the middle seat and didn't have any room. Oh, yeah. And she was like live-tweeting about how <laughs> awful it was. I didn't blame her. Uh, American Airlines has given her 150 bucks in flight credit toward her next purchase. <laughs> All right. Problem solved. There you go. Hammer and Nigel. What the hell was that? It's called sending a message. I think it will be received loud and clear. On 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. The coach, Dan Dockett from 107.5 The Fan. And Outkick Live in studio. Coach, all sorts of stuff to get to. I saw you going off on Tom Brady last weekend. Standing on the sidelines, berating his offensive line. What do you think about it? I mean, that happens on the sidelines quite often. You I, not? I'm not mad at him doing that. I'm mad that, look, if I'm, I always go to buy why if I were a player and Tom Brady, I know he's the GOAT, but you never put yourself above the team in a team sport. And when he didn't show up for the walkthrough, he went to a wedding yep. of, of of Robert Kraft. You know who didn't go to the wedding? Bill Belichick. You know why? Bill Belichick had a game the next day. I'm fine with Brady berating, but I don't berate the day after you don't show up for stuff. If I'm a lineman, I'd be like, hey, yo, goat, uh, <laughs> how about you don't miss 11 days of practice? Maybe we'd all be better. How about you show up at a walkthrough before a game? Maybe we'd all be better. Yell, scream, do. I don't care about any of that stuff, but don't do it the day after you missed a walkthrough, and I would have had a problem with that as a player. So you've got Brady having that story going on, and then he does this podcast where he indirectly yeah. compares going off to NFL training camp and NFL season as the same as being deployed in the military. The biggest fraud is the NFL aligning itself with the military. It's nice that they honor military folks. It really is. Baseball does it. Basketball, I don't know, but football, it's great. But it's the biggest fraud. I mean, let's be honest. you got six months vacation when you're uh, a football player. you got mega mansions. Even the, even the lowest paid NFL guy makes hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, to compare yourself to that. Now, look, I get it. The NFL wants to be patriotic. It's the least patriotic league it is. that there yeah, is. They're full of crap with all that stuff. They, they embrace the kneeling. They, uh, they embrace, the, the yes, they, exactly they right. It, yeah. They embrace whatever 
puts money in their pocket. That's why I had the problem with Jimmy Ursay. Not necessarily what he said about Daniel Snyder. You want to? You're mad at Daniel Snyder? Fine, but don't sit there and tell us what the NFL stands for. The NFL has hired murderers. They've hired thieves, wife beaters. Hell, Greg Hardy. Well, look. Every time you see the Elaine Bennis of dancing, uh, Ray Lewis, go out there and gyrate like an idiot, uh, he is hired by the Ravens to do that. I mean, we've seen among the worst people. Dante Stallworth kills a guy, gets out, and next thing you know, he's on a team. I mean, we've seen Greg Hardy beat his girlfriend, throw her on a bunch of illegal guns, and next thing you know, he's signed. So don't tell me, Jimmy Ursay, what the NFL stands for, because the NFL stands for one thing and one thing only, and that's cash. So... Okay, I'm with you on the Ursay angle on that. Yeah. But him going at That's Daniel fine. Snyder, I'm here for yeah, this. I'm, oh, yeah. Because I'm never going to know what it's like to have a billionaire yes. feud, right? <laughs> this is something that's out of my realm of understanding. <laughs> oh, come on. But this is kind of like working. that final rap yes. battle scene in the movie Eight Mile. <laughs> so Daniel Snyder comes out. He's Papa Doc. He says he's got <laughs> dirt on everybody here. Well, Jim Ursay, he's B-Rabbit. I, these people know everything about me. Like, he's Eminem in the final battle rap. I challenge you to say something about me these people don't know. I feel the same way in my life. Hey, look, hey, I, yes, I did it. Whatever it was, yes, yes, I did it. I right? did have a problem with pills. I did get yeah. a public DUI. Whatever you want to say. I got a say. friend named Cheddar Bob that shot himself with his own gun. That's Jim Ursay to Dan Snyder. I, that's right. That, do whatever you want. I'm with you on that. Look, when billionaires collide, it's fantastic. It's the real housewives of billionaires. There's no question. A friend, a good friend of mine said, damn, <laughs> rich people complicate things, don't they? I'm like, yeah, right. these guys are all just getting fat with a P or an F, whichever way you want to go. And now, well, I've got dirt on you. I will say this about Snyder, and, and I know five people, three guys, two women, that have hired private investigators to check out their spouse. Now, I'm not saying, this is over the course of 40 years. This isn't like last week. So anybody getting all worked up about Daniel Snyder hiring a private investigator, well, so what? He knows these guys are after him, so he's defending. I saw the, you know, the article where he was criticized, Daniel Snyder. Well, I'm not, you know, well, he's not going to give up his team easily. Really? The thing's a billion-dollar cash cow. Who who would want to give that thing up easily? See, Daniel I don't think the Snyder's a pig. He's would a be pig. So don't get me wrong. Upset about it if he didn't say, "Well, I've got dirt on you." Right. So now all these other billionaires are like, "Okay, I didn't give a damn before, but blank me, blank you." Yeah, I agree. That's exactly right. Hey, look, you want to dig up dirt on me? All right, fine. We're, yes, great. Does dirt even matter anymore? Like, we were having this conversation, and you guys probably have it. Used to be, guys didn't want to run for public office because, well, you know, I got that DUI back in the day. I don't want anybody to find, ah, you know, there was an abortion back in the day. You know what I mean? Things yeah. like, now, does dirt even matter? You think about where we're at as a society. So, hey, if I'm one of the owners and Daniel Snyder wants to dig dirt on me, I would do exactly what Jimmy Ursay did. Now, the one thing I would do, though, is I would respect if, in fact, there is an investigation, but I'm kind of a rule follower when it comes to those things. So Ursay went outside of that because I feel like it was personal to Ursay, to your right. point. 
But I love it when billionaires collide, man. There's nothing better. <laughs> and Hammer, don't sell yourself short. You pull yourself up by your boots. Yeah. You could be a billionaire one day Look, with all you... those great bets that you make every no, weekend. No, no, no. The three of us oh, are going to invent something. We're on the cusp <laughs> of greatness here. I feel it. Boy, let's not talk about bets. I I was the fire hydrant last night. Some days you're the dog. Some Oof. days you're the hydrant. Last night I was the hydrant. Uh, before we get to some bets this weekend, Coach, uh, we got a couple other things I want to get your thoughts on. Colts and Titans. I like Colts. Look, again, Frank Reich's going to be on the hot seat the entire year. We're going to evaluate Matt Ryan, but I'll tell you two things I like about the Colts. I do like their defense. I I know they gave up for the first time some fourth quarter points, but I like their defense. I think it's coming together. Uh, And I like Matt Ryan late. Like we, whether you like Matt Ryan or not, and the nation—the only time really the nation has gotten to see the Colts this year was that Thursday night game, and everybody points to how bad he and Russell Wilson were. But I would—I look at it from a coaching perspective. Wait a second. Yeah, he wasn't any good, but boy, at the end of the game, he was really good. Boy, at the end of all these games, two he's minute been drive, really Matt Ryan. Hey, yeah. He's been great. Solid. How do you win in the NFL? Close game. You got to have a guy that can take you down. I like the Colts in this game. I don't think that the Titans. He, all right, let me go one negative. The Colts do not play well when the other team has real toughness. And I think we would all agree that the Titans, and Jimmy Ursay said it, they have been the tougher, more physical team. And Mike Vrabel's going to demand that. But I do like the Colts in this game. I I think in two weeks, if the Colts win this game and then they beat the, the Commanders, I think, and these are the two games because the 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 schedule gets kind of tough at New England. You got Philadelphia in there uh, at L- at Las Vegas. I, I I think these two games are massive, and and I just something about them. I'm liking them. Any interest at all in the Pacers right now? Early None. early season, kind oh. of. I don't tanking might not be the right word, but they sure probably aren't upset if they lose. Well, I, I think the players are. I, again, I, I wanted to watch the Pacers the other night because people say they're tanking, and I went through their roster addition and subtraction, and all they really lost was Malcolm Brogdon. That dude didn't play more than 50 games. Anyway, they brought in a bunch of young guys. Uh, it's a building deal. I tried to watch, and I had two problems. One, I, I couldn't find anything that interesting. And two, Quinn Buckner's got to shut up. <laughs> Honest to God, Quinn, there's a thing. Let it breathe, baby. I think Halliburton and Matherin are players. Yeah. Um, but other than that, Miles well, Turner getting injured, stepping on a ball boy's foot before the opener. You know, and I, and I, I remember when Jeff Smolian called me one time and said, you know, at some point, I'm going to say enough to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like with Miles Turner, it's like, all right, enough. Like, what, was, what was the over under on total wins for the twenty three and a half? Twenty three and, and I a took half. It. I took it. You, you, t- you take the over on that. I right? did yeah, because I want them to. Be, I want. I, I I interviewed Halliburton and Jalen Smith, and I fell in love with the dudes at the Pacer thing. Like Halliburton, a great dude. I covered him Iowa, Iowa State, and great, great guys. And I think they're talented enough. Um, but remember, when you look at, well, you know, Mathurin scored 19 points. Uh, every bad team has a leading score. Right. Right? So you got to be a little careful. I think tonight, it's not a big game. It's 82 seasons. But when you start a season, there are two things. You you don't want to have to wait for that first win of the season. I don't care if it's college or the NBA. And, and in college, you don't want to wait for that first conference win. Like, you want to get these wins under your belt and... And you can relax. I mean, all of a sudden, a losing streak of two becomes three, four, five, and then you got a problem.
Give me a bet this weekend. Oh, man, I got parlays. Did I tell you this oh, last week? Oh, you're a parlay week? guy. You're a sucker. You are a Come sucker, Come on, I'll coach. take them all day long. I'm telling you, last week. I love Tell them, Jared. Jared was right there with me. I hit, <laughs> one, for, I hit one for 1,800. I hit one for 1,300 last week. <laughs> wow. I did. And, and I'll give this out on my show, but look, I don't. I think this slate is tough this week. Uh, I'm not touching Indiana. I am not touching Purdue. But I got a sassy little parlay that I'm taking individually as well. Well, and I'll give it to you. Uh, insiders tell me UCLA plus six is nice. Insiders. Insiders. Uh-oh. Yeah, the cash man, your boy. Uh, <laughs> LSU, I'm taking I'm taking them to win money line at home. Miami, I'm taking, and I'm giving nine to Duke. Clemson, unfortunately, I'm going to take them as part of my parlay, just money line. I'm taking the Colts plus two, and I'm taking the Cowboys. I love the Cowboys minus seven. Against uh, the big How much that one's worth? Huh? How much that one worth? Too? Uh, this one that I just gave here? you, I yeah. bet a hundred to win twelve hundred. I, yeah. I bet a hundred. He'll he'll vouch hundred yeah. to win eighteen hundred no, and hundred to win thirteen hundred last awesome. week. All right, I got a system. Root for you, coach. Yeah, I'll send it to you, Hammer Time or uh, Nigel, yeah. because Hammer's a disbeliever. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, he is on Outkick. He is the host of the Dan Dockett Show Monday through Friday, twelve to three on the Fan. Dan Dockett. Coach, thank you. My pleasure. Beer Sample Friday, next. Right now. Hammer and Nigel present Beer Sample Friday. I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people. Come down, get you some. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Also, a very special guest in studio joining us for Beer Sample Friday, brought to you by Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus. Our friends from Ash and Elm have stopped by once again. Andrea is here. Hi, How Andrea. are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me. So Autumn Tidings is the event. That's happening tomorrow at Monon 30. Tell us about Autumn Tidings. Sure. So Autumn Tide is our fall seasonal cider, which is made with pumpkin mm. and baking spices. And it's our most popular s- cider every year. And so this year we decided to throw a fall and harvest themed cider festival to celebrate Autumn Tide and, you know, apple orchards and cider culture. So we invited all the other cideries in the state, which there aren't too many and they're not very big. So it's... Um, a couple coming down from Fort Wayne, some from Bloomington, a few from Northern Kentucky are joining us um, to really celebrate like the farm-based cider producers in Indiana. And then we also invited uh, several brewery friends like Googman House and nice. Kismetic and Sun King and Taxman and then some distilleries as well. So we have a whole bunch of vendors and then we're also a kid-friendly event. So we'll have... Okay. Um, an orchard tent, which I'm pretty excited about. They will be providing everyone with an apple tasting flight. So they have um, apples that they grew that they're giving everyone a slice of several different kinds to compare with each other, learn how you cook them or how you eat them. Excellent. Now this is at Monon 30, and where can people get tickets? Yeah, so you can go to um, autumntidingsfallfest.com. And that will direct you to the way to get tickets. And yes, it's at Monon 30, so it's a like, great venue, live music. There's yeah, going to be beautiful weather. The weather, I yes, was going to say, it's going to be unreal for a fall cider festival. Yes, hard it's like cider. sunny oh, and man. 75, so I'm happy. But there's so, also indoor space. Great. Now, you brought us a little oh, sampling did. here of uh, some of the things at Autumn Tidings. What do we got here? 
So when the I get thing, back here. Yeah. So the the cider that we are celebrating is Autumn Tide, and it's a pumpkin cider. But we made six different variants of Autumn Tide pumpkin cider um, that you can try or buy a six pack of. One of them's not BA five variant. No, is it? That's, <laughs> that's not the variant that they're passing out. Yeah, maybe no. I shouldn't have called them Autumn Tide variants, but that's what they're called. Right. Um, <laughs> so you have a cranberry Autumn Tide, which we kind of call Thanksgiving in a glass. That's what Hammer has? Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanksgiving in a glass, and I got yes. that bourbon right. Yeah, you have one? a bourbon maple orange. Autumn Tide. Okay. And I have oh a pumpkin gosh. spice latte Autumn Tide that has cold brew and lactose sugar. Okay. Well, cheers to Autumn cheers Tidings. Cheers to you guys. Yeah. Happening tomorrow. Oh, that's really good. That's unbelievable. That is really good. And where can wow. I get this one at specifically, Andrea? Autumn Tidings Fall Fest. Okay. Just at the Fall Fest. Yes. Because this is this is not, I mean, these are canned. You can these specifically for the fest, right? Yeah. Our goal okay. is to sell out of all of the variants tomorrow. You will. Awesome. It's, it's about time we there. talk positive about variants on this show. <laughs> Hot damn. Uh, Andrea, thank you so much for yeah, coming thank by. You. This is awesome. This is really, Thanks for having really us. Good. We hope you to see you tomorrow. It. It's the Hammer and Nigel show.